time where the phone never stops ringing. Cold calls and spam emails seem to pour in endlessly. And there is always someone that wants to buy you lunch for the chance to make you a client. This is where real salespeople pitch solutions to real problems while we snuff out the BS. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast with your host, Voron Spivak. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. Before we get this thing kicked off, I want to send a shout out to Churrasco's. Churrasco's is an excellent restaurant here in Houston. If you've never been there, you definitely want to try it out. Churrasco's is where we'll be hosting our Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast. We will be recording and doing a lot of really cool things there. So big shout out to them. Thank you. And let's get to the interview. Today, my guest is Kyle Chambers. Texas Quality Assurance is the place for companies looking for quality management, software, and much more. I'm happy to have you here. I can't wait to, to hear the story and really oh, yeah. get to understand what you guys are doing over there. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much. So tell me how this all got started. You know, when you started your company and you designed this thing, what did you have in mind? Yeah, so all of this actually started because I was working for an oil and gas company. I'd say oil and gas, more of the energy sector, turbine repair company. And I started out as the assistance administrator. And my wife was pregnant with her oldest son. And I'm just trying to find a way to earn a living, finish my degree and whatnot. And very quickly, I kind of worked myself out of a job. And so I'd rebuilt the website, I'd got their exchange server running and everything's going. <laughs> and I realized very quickly that they could hire a, a service company, a service provider for three or 400 bucks a month to do my job. So I started poking and prod and trying to find something I could do of value. You know, the company was growing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of future there. I was really excited about it, but it was a very vulnerable position to be in. And, you know, this was in 08 during the, uh, the terrible meltdown that was going on. So very uncertain times, you know. And I wasn't getting nowhere. Every time I tried to poke into this area, poke into that area, it got shut down. Until one day, we're sitting in a staff meeting, and truth be told, I'd already accepted another job. They said that they needed a, quote, technically-minded person to head up a health and safety initiative. And I'm like, okay, that sounds neat. Didn't think they were talking, who they were talking about. And they said it two or three times. We're like, Kyle, you're not getting the hint, are you? I'm like, oh, oh, me, 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 okay. So I go from being computer geek to suddenly I'm now in charge of putting together a health and safety program. And that was quite the learning experience, but you know, it went well and there's a number of fun stories behind that. But you start doing that very quickly, you stumble on some environmental issues that need some attention and then you start getting your feet wet in the quality world and inspection and testing and qualification. And you know, I was already taken over the health and safety training. So now they just kind of threw all the other training requirements on top of me. And so within a couple, three years time, I was went from having really nothing to do, just sitting there basically, you know, scouring the web for something to entertain me during the day. So I was working, honest God, for two weeks, I worked over a hundred hours a week. Wow. And at that point, my wife came to me and I remember very, very vividly, we were in the kids game room and she came to me and made it very clear that I needed to find another, another way to do this, to manage things. And so I decided to see what I could do, kind of like I did in 08, but we're now about 2011, I guess. How can I do this differently? How can I rethink this? How can I re-engineer this? How can I make it work? And so I started dabbling with some software tools that I'd been working on for a while, but never, never put together, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I finally put all these tools together 
and came out with what's the first version of the software that we run today. And I remember when we went live with that tool, I went from working, like I said, almost 100 hours, two weeks in a row, to less than 50 hours a week. Mm. And so it kind of sparked a light bulb. I didn't know what to do with it. And then a consultant that we started working with said, hey, Kala, I know someone that could use this. Could you rebuild it for them? And so I said, sure. And we built a server on our dining room table. And I redeveloped everything completely from scratch. And we deployed the first version of what's now our TQA Cloud QMS software. And this was in 2013. Wow. And so here it is. You're in these different roles and you're noticing that everybody's kind of carrying the same weight, if you will, and they have yeah. these needs. Mm-hmm. And then it expands into like health and safety. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so where, I mean, where does the word quality, where does it begin and where does it end with your, what you do? Like just only because I don't, I want to really see it where and who are the people that really need this product and the way it's being serviced. And then as well as like, can you walk me through from infancy, like where it might begin for somebody getting to know you and then all the way to what the true result is once they're a full fledged client. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you started that question, hit the nail on the head, is really where does quality end and begin? And that is, it's actually somewhat of a a gray term. The business is Texas Quality Assurance, but within that quality umbrella, we really try to encompass anything dealing with the common compliance requirements. Mm -hmm. So whether the requirement is a customer's technical specification for the product, or whether it's a legal requirement, maybe coming down from an OSHA CFR or from uh, Mm -hmm. the EPA, TCEQ, regardless, anything those kind of common compliance bubble we put under the quality umbrella. And that was something unique that we found very, very early on is that you could take the exact same platform and with small tweaks and revisions, you could tune it to craft a, a solution that would, that would work either way. For instance, I talked about uh, training, right? So maybe you need to keep track of what welders are, you have certified. Well, the tools needed to track those welder certifications are really the same tools needed to track your H2S certifications, track your confined space training. And so you can find that you can branch and bridge these out a lot further. And some of this insight really came to me early on because I was put in the position of doing what normally you'd have four different, four or five different people managing. And so the tool is crafted for small to medium-sized businesses. So we're not looking for the large corporate client. We're really looking for those small and medium-sized businesses that oftentimes either don't have the funds to hire the three, four, five people necessary to manage the program, or maybe they don't have the multi-million dollar you know, business system that has all the tools pre-developed and plugged into them. So we're able to provide the same level of services at an absolute tiny fraction of the cost, and it's not cookie cutter. We customize each solution. Again, the same idea of small tweaks and modifications to fit the requirements. We customize every solution to that individual client and that individual deployment. And is it always a custom piece or like, is this something where people are saying, hey, I'm using this system over here on the left and I'm using this system over here on the right and I just wish they would talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Like to me, and I'm trying to imagine this, you know, if you have employees and you have these regulations and then you even have people like a certificate for a welder, mm-hmm. I mean, 
there's a lot of data that's going into some system. I think mm -hmm. we all hate when we have to enter data again and again. And then it's like, you know, you've got the same kind of story, but you're uh -huh. typing it into the same keyboard three different times. Yep. Is that something that is solved through this program? Uh, 100% it's solved. I'd say 100%. There are, we'll say 98%. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, I don't like absolutes. I try to avoid absolutes. There's always an exception to the rule. Yeah. But no, that's a problem that I've had all the way back to when I was managing with my own ERP and it was an internal system in 2000, you know, 2011, 2012 to today. And so, yes, what we'll sometimes do is link to other business solutions that are out there. Mm -hmm. So maybe they've got like an Oracle or a NetSuite or, or something along those lines that they're trying to use. Great. We've got the data connectors so we can pull that data in and utilize it within the system here. That way you're not having to do all the, the double and triple data entry. There's a project we're working on right now. Unfortunately, I can't disclose the, the name of the client just yet. Soon, but not yet. And really one of the, the coolest solutions we've worked on to this point. And... So what we found is that these folks are spending, they've got uh, four shifts of five inspectors and they'll spend probably three or four hours a day just on data entry, re-entering it, re-entering it. Oh. They'll take it on paper. Once they get it on paper, they'll put it in the Excel spreadsheet. Once it goes in the Excel spreadsheet, they'll put it in the access database. Then someone else comes and puts it in the SQL database and then they report on it. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, here it is. We're in 2020. Uh-huh. And it sure is sad when some guy that was born in like 1908 says, well, we could have done it better with carbon copy, right? Or whatever. It's the true. It but is sadly true. And what I found the problem is, and I can really sort down why so many, you would be astonished at the size and complexity of organizations that are wasting this type of time. It's almost universal, almost universal. It is exception to the rule, the folks that have it together in these areas. But I can tell you why it occurs. It's because we have all of these independent silos of thought, you know? Mm -hmm. You've got your IT guy over here, but he doesn't understand jack squat about what the safety director does. Mm -hmm. Safety director does not have a single care in the world about what your production requirements are. So you've got all these independent silos of knowledge. They all have independent requirements. And sometimes they literally don't even speak the same language, much less figuratively speak the same language. Yeah. And so trying to get all of that together is, it's a difficult process, but that's where we excel is mm -hmm. because we'll come in and we'll do that assessment. And when we do that assessment, we're going to talk to everyone and we're going to try to find the single best way to get all of those systems working together. But no, we're trying to put together the cost benefit analysis for these folks. And, you know, for example, like they might use 72 pages of paper per day per inspector. Wow. And this yeah. is when we're all walking around with tablets. No, and you speak about like <laughs> safety and risk and, you know, you think about the production side, you know, you got people really that you're trying to run a profitable business, but sometimes operationally you could have so much inefficiency there where people are plugging in data. You know, you talk about OSHA, you know, the idea that there are requirements, whether it's from work comp situation mm -hmm. or whether it's just from just simple safety and risk managers, you know, mm -hmm. giving the advice for your company to operate correctly. I mean, I would imagine that anyone who could finally get a one central unit, like a hub, if you will, mm -hmm. that would be a great benefit to them. 
why now? Why you? Why now? Like I would have to ask, like, why? How could this be going on so wrong? For I wanted to make a rhyme for so long, you know, <laughs> you know. But seriously, yeah. how could we see companies right now just kind of dealing with it and not wanting to kind of grab the bull by the horns? It's a daunting task. The further down the road you get, you know. So we, what I find happens, and, and folks will ask me sometimes. Well, tell them about how bad these these things are. They're like, well, how do these folks? manage to stay profitable how do they keep things going and the fact is is they've got a handful of really excellent awesome truly amazing men and women that are working their ass off every single day doing the best job they possibly can Mm -hmm. to hold it together and that's what keeps a lot of these places floating so that's really kind of how it can exist you've got the combination of just wonderful people doing an amazing job with very limited tools and on the other hand, the further you go down that road, the harder it is to change course. I mean, think about how many spreadsheets of data do you have and today? And now when the business doubles, you're going to quadruple all of that electronic, misheveled paperwork. It's a scary thought to try to move that somewhere else. Yeah. And that is honestly the harder piece of the sell than the price of the software, the customization is that shift in mindset. I think Stephen Covey, we've been doing a mini-series on our podcast about it, is when he talks about it, it's a paradigm shift. It's mm-hmm. We have to think in a new way. And that's honestly the hardest piece. And how do you make it easier? Like, so if someone is, you know, considering, you know, tying a couple different systems together, mm-hmm. is there any money saved? Is there any ability to remove some of them? Or do you have the chance to remove them all? How does that work? And then what is the process? So... <sighs> It depends on the scale of the business that we're talking about. If we're talking about small business, you know, less than 100 employees, generally they have low enough amounts of data and low enough amounts of of regular repeated paperwork. Truthfully, sometimes if they even have much in the compliance world at all, that uh, it's generally a pretty easy process. We can come in and get them up and running very, very quickly, very, very easily and efficiently. We've got all the stock tools built in there, the non-conformance reports, the training systems, the calibration tracking. We've got all that built in. So there's really not a whole lot unique to do there. We may just pick and plug a few extra fields of data that they care about, you know, but we can get to the medium-sized businesses. They've, they've been operating for a while. You know, this is like less than 500 employees, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a $100 million organization. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot more moving gears going on. And so we don't try to replace all of their systems. We just want to work with what they already have. And I think that's where a lot of software companies go wrong is Mm -hmm. they have their tool. They're going to market to you that their tool is the fix. It is the best. They have the best engineers, the most experienced, the most projects. I don't give a crap about any of that. Mm -hmm. You have a business that you figured out how to make work. I didn't do that. You did. You're the brains behind the operation. You've got this thing running. You created all the gears that are spinning. Let's just find a way to make it a little more efficient for you on a daily basis. Let's try to save you time and energy on a daily basis for what matters most. And that's part of our mission statement. And it's really the truth is maybe that saving time and energy for you was what it was for me is I was missing my boys' little league games. You know, like that's, I didn't want to miss his little league games. I had to find a way to get home. And, you know, you work to live, you don't live to work. And, but for other folks, maybe that saving time and energy is that they want to take that next step with their organization, or maybe they're trying to climb the ladder, whatever it is. Again, I don't care. That's your thing, but I want to help you make it more efficient. 
And so maybe you've got your safety manager and your environmental manager and each of your production managers are doing it on their own way, all tracking employee trainings. My gosh, how many times they sit and stare at those spreadsheets trying to find out if some guys had their confined space training before they send them into a blast cabinet. Yeah. So much yeah. time wasted. I was yeah. talking to someone the other day and he's like, I showed him the required training report that we run. It runs on a weekly basis. And he said, Kyle, I spend once a month a full weekend compiling that exact same information. <laughs> like, yeah. I just tell you to show up on Monday and click on it. <laughs> wow. So it's those type of things. But we don't want to try to replace what other folks mm-hmm. have. We want mm-hmm. to supplement it. We want to find a way to bring all those parts together. Got it. So a lot of times people are just kind of meeting with you and they're I don't know if fantasizing is the word to use, but it's like they're going like, hey, this is my fantasy. Can this system talk Mm -hmm. to this system? And then these three employees that are normally having to go from here to there and everywhere as far as finding data from different Mm -hmm. systems, can it be conjoined, if you will, so that... Yeah. uh, And not only even conjoined, but, you know, can we take this process that maybe takes six, seven hours to complete and turn it into four or five clicks. Mm-hmm. And so now you've just freed up, you know, six, seven, eight hours of production time or, you know, for that employee. Yeah. And that may not sound like a whole bunch, but man, imagine if you could take his skills, talents, and abilities and apply it to something useful for a full extra business day a month. It's a huge return. Yeah. They always say it's either have yellow time or green time and yellow yeah. time just means you're just doing the mundane tasks that don't really make you any money. Yep. And so I could see how that helps. So like whenever it comes to you with the client, is there teams involved? Like what, how does that work? Like what is, what's the experience of your customer from meeting you obviously here, Mm -hmm. you're the founder, but then do you just spike the ball or what happens next? No. So I stay very, very involved. I do want to try to step back in a few areas as time moves forward, just because that's the only way to effectively run a business. But I still intend to be very intimately involved in each project. And the reason being is I keep talking about this mindset of pulling all these diverse areas together. That's how I got my start. That's the genesis of this whole thing. So I'm actually there for every single one of the original implementation meetings. Mm -hmm. Now, I myself, I have a very eclectic range of certifications and whatnot. So on one hand, I'm an ISO 9001 lead auditor. On the other hand, I'm a Microsoft certified systems engineer for I am certified professional for Office 365. We're a Microsoft partner. So we use Microsoft and Office 365 for most of the software that we do. And on the same hand, I'm also a certified forklift instructor. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, quite uh, quite the renaissance, man. Yeah, a little a little bit. So I try to stay involved very much from a project management standpoint. When necessary, I'll handle managing the code and whatnot. But we've got some other developers that we try to outsource some of the grunt IT work to, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But from a project management standpoint, I try to stay very involved. And then what about in terms of when, you know, is there a platform that you routinely are using? Like, is there a certain software that you've developed that like 10 out of 10 sales calls that you go on, you're showing them kind of the platform, the way it looks and feels. Mm-hmm. Is that part of, of what this is? Oh, yeah. So I talk about we don't do cookie cutter, but that doesn't mean we start with a blank slate. Mm-hmm. Is you know, either me or we've been working on this, honestly, going all the way back to 2008. So, you know, in IT terms, that's an incredibly long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe the rest of the real world, it's not that long. But when it comes to, to computer stuff, that's a very long time. 
So everything that we do centers around Microsoft 365. And there's a few reasons for that. Probably the key benefit to our clients is everyone these days uses Microsoft, right? Even if you're listening to this on an iPhone or watching this video on a Mac, you probably have somewhere in the back end an exchange email. We Microsoft do. is, yes. We do. Like that is something I can't imagine many listeners being able to argue with. No. And so it provides us something that few other people have of a universally compatible platform to work from. So there is almost no system that we cannot plug into or connect to that does not already work with the Microsoft 365 platform. Around about 2015, we had to make a decision because we wanted to get away from the standalone servers and try Mm -hmm. to move into the cloud. And so we were debating between, you know, the Microsoft and Office 365 platform, or maybe some of these private server farms. And we almost actually went for the option for the uh, private server farm. It was a lot more affordable, a lot of real good deals at the time, but we opted for the Microsoft platform because we we really had the, the vision that Office 365 would take off into what it has today. And in fact, you know, now most businesses don't even fire up physical servers. They're firing up cloud servers, Azure servers, everything is yeah. remotely in the cloud. And again, another benefit of that is you as the client don't have to have an IT team supporting that mm-hmm. infrastructure. It also means me as your developer can give you a lot cheaper rates, a lot faster development because I don't have a team of systems administrators that I'm having to, uh, to keep on payroll. So that brings up a good point. So your clients don't obviously need a server per se to like bring you on board. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a hardware savings there. But what about turnaround time and like the way this thing works? Like if somebody has this idea that they want to pursue, mm-hmm. is that a 90 day thing? Like how long does it take? And then how much of your turnaround time is dependent on your current volume? Generally, it's a 30-day turnaround. And again, that's for primarily like small business. You know, we're talking about less than 100 employees, just trying to stay compliant, you know, to compete with the big boys. You need that data. You need to be able to track how many times you've had defects. And mm-hmm. that's really hard to do without a good system. And heck, you can do, do it on a mobile phone with ours. You just fire up your phone, take a picture. There's a non-conformity on the receiving log, and you move on. So it's about a 30-day process. For some of the larger companies, mid-sized companies, it's about a 90-day process to get you on board. The first 30 days is still the same for everyone. It's, you're going to have something by the end of the 30 days. But with the larger outfits, there's you got more hands in the mix. You know, you got more people that need to take a look at it. And just because people aren't nearly as efficient as computers, it kind of takes a little while to go through those first two or three rounds of, of editing. And just like you would a, a design process for anything else. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so you had mentioned to me before this interview, you had mentioned that in your career that you noticed that certain things kind of didn't flow in the world of like just the way these, some of these management systems worked. And, and that was kind of something that you were able to evolve the programs to do. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that and explain what you noticed, how you solved it, and then sure. are those solutions already prepackaged or are those something that you find yourself again going through a consulting phase to get to what each business actually needs? Yeah. Well, this is again going back to 2013, 2014, again, pretty early on for us and still building servers on the dining room table. But I found very quickly that a couple of the first deployments we did is I deployed the software and you know it met all of the requirements, but 
they couldn't use it. They weren't really, they weren't engaging with it. You know, something wasn't clicking and I couldn't quite figure out what it was until we started looking at their business processes in a little more detail. And this has led to the the current way that we do the implementation is I'm going to be on site for a day for every new, Mm -hmm. new implementation to learn about your business and, and where you're at. And they just didn't have very good processes in place. So it does not matter how amazing a nonconformance report form is for you, how easy it is to use, how easy it is to get data out of it, if the people in your company don't have any idea when to use it. So if you don't have existing business processes telling you how to use these tools, doesn't matter how good they are, you can buy the fanciest tool in the world with every possible bell and whistle. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. So that kind of led into, you asked about the consultation phases, that led into us getting into the world of doing quality management consultation and the internal auditing. And then that led into the the training programs that we do as well. With that, on one hand, I would love to typecast you as someone who helps, you know, people with quality management. Mm -hmm. And then I would love to typecast you as a software guy, right? But that's Mm -hmm. not really it. There is much, much more. And Mm so where do you find that on these, you know, in these meetings where you're, someone's considering you for a project, mm-hmm. where do you find that your consulting really kind of drives them maybe to places that they've never considered before? Hmm, that's a good question. I like that. Folks always have an idea of where they want to finish, right? So you have an idea of what, what the end goal is. We've got one client, this was put this together probably 2017. Mm-hmm. And we set out to do this huge system, not so much an inventory management add-on for them, but they needed to be able to track the maintenance records for a lot of the equipment. They resell a lot of equipment and service a lot of equipment. So they need to keep track of all the maintenance records and certifications for it. And so we had this very large system, very elaborate system that we built for them. And truth is it worked perfectly, perfectly well. But then as we started looking more and more into their daily business processes, we realized that we needed to go a complete different direction that listening to the, this was kind of a a hard lesson learned, I guess you could say is listening to the client, what the finish line should be. Isn't always where you need to start. You need to to dig a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. because they have this idea that finish line, but you don't know the six months, two years, 10 years of thought that they've put into identifying that finish line. And so you really need to start doing your own little personal, not so much root cause analysis, but Mm -hmm. same Same type thinking, you know, you got to get to the heart of why are they wanting to finish there? And once you can identify they want why they want the finish line, well, then you can re-engineer the solution a little bit to get them to the same end goal of time and energy savings. But maybe the solution is a little bit different than what they're looking at. And so what they, these folks wound up doing is we just made some simple modifications to our calibration tracking system and boom, got the exact same end result. You know, one of the things that I think has to be true is that when you own a company and you decide, you know what, I'm going to hire a developer. I'm going to actually mm-hmm. hire somebody to come in there. It could be extremely intimidating because mm-hmm. the first thing we all think, you know, whether you're hiring an attorney or, you know, an accountant to do, you know, some kind of, you know, background accounting. The problem is, is you don't know if you're just opening a can of worms for someone just to bill you and charge you. And like the, there's a lot of mystery there, right? Yep. And so from a auditing standpoint, going back to like the accounting thing, you're just going like, well, where could this end? Yeah. As a developer, probably there's this intimidation that people sometimes have before they call you. What are the ways that 
inside a consultation with you, do you kind of start off knowing, number one, what their end in mind is, because that's mm-hmm. important, but then reverse engineering that so you can mm-hmm. put it in pieces so they can kind of, if it's their first time doing this, it's almost like there has to be kind of a, a dumbing down each thing or each task that people are doing and each yeah. thing that the systems are doing yeah. for you to be able to fill in all the gaps. Yep. Again, that is just a fantastic question and a good point. So the way that we try to do it here is we actually use the same process mapping tools for the consultation side as we do for getting started with the software side. And so what I mean by that is, and I can probably share with you a separate YouTube video that we've put up going mm-hmm. through it, but we want to identify what's the process we're looking at, right? And I'll just use because it's probably the most common quality management tool, non-conformance report. Something went wrong. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that's really where quality starts. We want it to start with the preventative stuff, but let's be honest, folks. It starts when something goes wrong. So we've got our non-conformance. Well, what are our inputs? Who might find these? Mm. You know, what requirements might they find them against? So these are all really good inputs. Well, what do we want to do about that? Well, these are our outputs. Okay, great. So we have outputs. What's our goal? Do we want to have minimized nonconformities? Some organizations, that's the case. They do a fantastic job of tracking them. I've got one client right now. They track over 300 nonconformance reports a month. Their goal is to get that number down. I've got other clients where they might track one every six months. Now, they might have five customer returns in between them, so they're not tracking enough. In any case, we want to identify what those goals and objectives are. Then we want to identify, well, how are we going to hit those goals and objectives? Then you make everything, you know, kind of meet in the meet in the middle. So there's a variety of ways that uh, you can help folks get to the end goal. But then you brought up another real good point about, well, where does this project end? You know, they can mm-hmm. sprawl out of control <laughs> wildly. And we've got one prospect, have, haven't signed the contract yet, but mm-hmm. I think we will hear real soon, where they had brought in a previous developer, maybe two years ago, I think he said, to do some work on a, a SharePoint system, which is the same backend platform we use for, for everything as well. Again, that universally mm-hmm. compatible. And he's like, you know, they did a good job, but just it isn't working for us. And he'd seen some of our YouTube videos. So we're talking to him. And that was kind of the problem they ran into there is they knew the solution they needed. They knew they wanted to use the SharePoint system to do it. So they went and hired a SharePoint developer to do what they thought up, which Mm. is kind of how most software development goes. That's why I insist on being that intermediate in the middle right now Mm. is because yes, I'm the developer on one hand, but I was also a quality manager for, you know, almost a decade, kind of get both worlds, whereas most folks don't. Yeah. And the standalone developers, they can sprawl out of control because them, it's just exciting. I get to do more. I get to learn more and they get to learn on your dime. And we don't do that. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. So then what are we going back to the quality? So from a quality management standpoint, can you give me kind of like a a sliding scale of like what it is like on one hand, what kind of clients are working with you all the way to the other end of the spectrum, just so we can all kind of envision who might be a great fit for you? Sure. Well, you see in our logo that it's obviously Texas with an oil rig in it, right? (laughs) So... And that's there for a reason, right? You know, so the oil and gas world is is probably about half of our business. And mm-hmm. we work with the, the smaller providers mostly. So maybe it's someone doing the field service. Maybe it's a maintenance company. You know, maybe it's someone that's, that builds tanks, like, you know, you name it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's about half the world that we live in. 
So I think probably most of your listeners, are, you know, could understand that. The other half that we deal in is just everywhere. It's all over the place from medical devices to electronics. Did some work for one client. This was fascinating stuff is they developed the radar sensing chips for autonomous driving. Oh, yeah. So, you know, okay, we go, that is neat. Yeah. yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff that is probably the, actually the kind of off topic here, but that's probably the favorite part of the job for me is seeing all of the many ways that folks find how to put value into the world. You know, well, I take- think, I think it's a great question. I mean, a great topic because of the fact that, you know, obviously when someone's hiring a developer, it's because they probably don't know shit about developing, right? <laughs> That's why you do it. But the yep. problem is, is when you as a business person open the door to something like this, yeah. you don't, don't want it getting. to be Pandora's box. No. And you don't want it to be like, you don't want to be like the guy in some random country sitting in an Uber where you don't know where the hell you're going to end up. You know, you kind of would like to, you want someone to kind of make you feel better, like you know what it is and you want to feel like, you know, from the very beginning of something, you want to know what is realistic, what is just too much to ask, what's too, you know, what Mm -hmm. is the norm? Because most of the time entrepreneurs and people that are using these other systems daily are going mm-hmm. like, I wish it would, yep. or I wish I could. Yep. And, and their teams are coming to them saying, Hey, if we could just do this and that, it would be great. Yep. But when you're not a developer, you're going like, well, what does that mean? You know, mm-hmm. like, and so I think there's a little bit of a level of courage that some people have to have yeah. to maybe think out of the box and go like, why don't I build it? Yeah. Why don't I build it? And that's, it sounds to me like that's a lot of what you do. It is. It is. And I really like the, like the way you put that there. It does. It requires a lot of courage. I mean, you take, for instance, just a quality manager that says, like you, you just mentioned is, I need it to do X, Y, Z that it doesn't do. I, I need it to do something else. Well, where do you go? Do you look to find some other completely different system to move your entire business to? Accounting's probably perfectly happy with what they're doing. If not, they've probably not going to change because it's accounting. And, you know, the other business functions may be happy where they're at, but you need some additional functionality. And so, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to do. What I have found, again, because I've been in the IT world forever, I think my first IT certification was in 2001. So I've been working in it for a while now, is you've got two classes of developers. Mm. You've got the standalone guy or the real small niche firm that will work on nearly any project. They'll try to do anything because they've got just fantastic coding skills and, and they're fantastic at what they do. These guys are great to build a website. These guys are great for really specialty projects. They've got their place. I'm not, not dogging that at all, but they got their place. Then you've got the really big firms, right, that can build the entire huge network. You take a look at SAP. You know, when folks tell me, ask them what their business system is, they say SAP or Oracle. I'm like, okay, well, what flavor? (laughs) And then when I find out what flavor, then I ask, well, what have you had done with it? Because you can spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars getting these things developed out. So there's kind of two classes. We try to meet in the middle, which are very hard to meet in the middle. That's good because when you're not in the IT business and you like, I mean, we've all been there where you see like someone who you believe knows more about this computer Mm -hmm. and this program than you do like then the us ourselves right so we see these people staring into the monitor and we don't know if they're just messing with us you know like right. do they really just know how to fix it and it's just yeah. like but i mean i'm kidding but the fact is is 
it's nice to work with someone who understands kind of your tempo. They mm -hmm. understand what you're trying to do. And then sometimes you probably have to reel people in because they're asking for something that maybe like what you were saying, yep. Don't start with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just maybe four or five components of what gets yep. you there could be what's really juicy and take yep. your business to the next level. Not that you should give up on the, on the second phase. No. Phase, is that a thing you use called, I would I was about to say, could you have like a first phase, second phase? We do. So again, this one project we're working on, this, this may very well be the, the biggest one we've worked on yet. Again, I wish I could say more about who it is, but we are, we're, we're bidding it out in three large phases. It may take, 12 even more months to get everything completed but the idea being we're going to build this component we're going to get this working properly but as we build the first phase we're going to make sure that we can tie in everything from phase two into it yeah and as we build phase two that's simultaneously building other requirements for phase three so we can take these steps up the ladder in one smooth motion but even with our, our mid-sized companies like i say we've in the first 30 days, you're going to have a working system. You could mm -hmm. start using it that day, but we want to go through, say, your last two years of, again, just for simplicity's sake, your non-conformance reports. I want to look at your non-conformance reports. I want to look at your management review from the last two years, and I want to see how you've reported on it because you've already got mm -hmm. something that works. You know, folks ask a lot of times, well, what reports do you have to your system? And I, I kind of feel silly telling them I don't really have any. We don't have standard reports. They're like, what? You don't have standard reports? Yeah. I'm like, no, you tell me what matters to you. I'll yeah. report it. The data is there. We can do anything with it we want. So yeah, it's sometimes a tough thing for folks. And the problem with a, a lot of folks with the IT skill set mm -hmm. is they can't quit speaking the jargon. They can't mm -hmm. get their head out of the, the cloud. Yeah. And I guess it has yeah. double meaning to no, me cloud does. computing. <laughs> Yeah, because you're talking to normal people that might yeah. not know all the words that you guys use. I was going to say verbiage. I don't even know if that's a real word. But yeah, the point is, is <laughs> yeah, like you want to, you kind of, you need someone to talk to you almost like at a ninth grade level yeah. about these systems. The other thing that happens is, you, you know, you talk about some of these other big software companies that you work with often. You know, how often do people who own a company and the team that's using these products there's so much on it that they don't utilize, maybe because it doesn't really have a function for them. And sometimes it's an obstacle for them. They're going like, yeah. why do I have 42 questions when really all I want to do is work with 13 of them, right? Amen. And so same thing goes with reports, yeah. right? And, and yeah. so it sounds to me like people who are listening right now that are going like, if I could talk to this dude, Kyle, and just yeah. like have him look at what we have, maybe there yeah. is a way that you can pay your way mm -hmm. out of this kind of nightmare that you might be in and you've kind of gotten used to it. No, amen. There, there absolutely is. And I love the point you brought up about, you know, maybe your form has 42 fields on it. You only care about 13. That's so incredibly common. Folks are often a little bit dumbfounded when I show them a demo of our site because they're like, well, what about this? What about this? Can you have these? Do you have this? I'm like, that can all be added in there, but we just try for the demo sake to show you the minimum possible. Mm. The end user can get overwhelmed so easily yeah it is so easily easy to overwhelm your end user and if your end user doesn't go oh man this is useful this is going to help me do my job mm -hmm. if that's not their feeling when they grab a software tool it's a hindrance just yeah. like you said it's a hindrance but if they look at it and like 
oh man, I wish I'd had this at my last spot. This is going to make life easy for me. This is simple. I know what he's doing here. Mm -hmm. Life's good. No, Uh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people will be happy to hear you say this because it is so, I think it really is. This is the norm is that people mm -hmm. deal with like ridiculous software that almost is too robust. Yes. It's exactly. like getting to dinner and there's like 15 forks. Now I really don't know what the hell to use. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, and it's like, oh crap, here comes a salad. What do I do mm-hmm. now? Well, it's but like you're it, good at eating a cheesecake factor. It's like, okay, yeah. we've got a 72 page menu. Yeah, what right. do I want? Yeah. Right. Seriously. Yeah. You don't need that. <laughs> and from HR standpoint and from safety and all of that, you really want something functional because mm-hmm. if the people are using it, Mm-hmm. Well, now your success in attaining the data and mm-hmm. yeah, you could choose to have 4,000 different reports, you know, yep. but, but wouldn't it be great it. to just have the one report that would really benefit you and your company? Amen. Amen. So, no, that's great. I don't know what else you would want to talk about as far as like things that you're noticing out there in your day in, day out. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of what you've covered for me it sounds like there's just a lot of oil and gas companies, people that are servicing the oil and gas industry. It almost even seems like people with contact management systems, you know, Mm -hmm. these are all potential customers and clients for you. It is. It is. We occupy a space that a lot of the bigger software tools just don't even attempt to, to get at, or if they do, it's done really, really poorly. I will say that most any business system that's out there has a tool to track your document control. They have a tool to track your training requirements, and they have one to track defects and change management and all these types of things. But it's, it's as if it's an afterthought. And it is. Mm. It is an afterthought. And you'll find that we don't dare try to be your you know, enterprise resource, you know, management system. You know, we're not doing that. We're not doing your day-to-day project tracking. We're not tracking your inventory mm-hmm. and your assets. That's not what we do. So we do have a niche. And that kind of goes back to an earlier question you had. It's like, how do you draw that box? It's because we, we care about the compliance management piece and how it attaches to the rest of your business. Mm-hmm. And it is, they, they have this afterthought on there. They want to be the single resource for all of your business needs. And I'll admit, I love the idea. I absolutely love the idea. I truly do wish that there was someone out there that could take what we do and take what they do and take what someone else does and put it all together in a package that's affordable for the end user. I don't think it'll ever happen though. And the reason is because every organization is unique. Mm -hmm. They have unique needs and there's too large of a pool of requirements out there and too large of a pool of ways to achieve them to do it with unfortunately a single tool. And I know that's probably what most folks want is that single tool, mm-hmm. but you've got to make a lot of compromises that, that you don't want to make along the way. Do you ever like show up to somebody's office and they like go like, okay, we use like Google survey for this. And then we use Slack for that. And then uh, we have our people go over here to DocuSign and then they take a picture and then they load it into the $35,000 a month software. Yep. And then we do this. Like, is that really happening? (laughs) All over the place. That's the norm. (laughs) That's the norm for businesses above probably 75 employees. That's the norm. Yeah. And And I've heard of it because I have friends that are just going like, and I, when I hear these stories, it just kind of blows my mind that people are needing all of these different tools Mm -hmm. so that people with employees that are going out into the field, they're going Mm -hmm. on job sites, 
They have safety requirements mm-hmm. that they have to upload how many OSHA hours and mm-hmm. all of the trainings mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. What an exhausting and drowning kind of feeling that must be to be stuck kind of mm-hmm. in that. And the idea that you could actually pick up the phone, make a call, have what mm-hmm. well, it's almost like you're like the Dr. Phil of software, right? <laughs> like you just come out there and you go like, Get real, right? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. yeah. No, Come it really, it really real. is. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a I'd be, lot. I'd be, like, I'd be like, look, can you make all this shit go away somehow? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's, I think, everyone's goal. Like, simple, simple, simple. And that's it. We try to strive for the simplest workable solution, whatever the yeah. simplest workable solution is. And that may mean that you ditch your Google form and instead, you've already got Office 365. Great. We'll integrate a Microsoft form in its place. Awesome. Yeah. That you've got Slack. Hey, you've already got Teams. Let's just move everything over there. And then, you know, then you've got this separate K-band board that's over there to track all of your to-do list items. Great. We've, we've already got one in 365. Let's integrate that. Now we'll build a dashboard in your QMS site where all of that is visible on one screen. You go to one place to find everything you need. And okay. even with that, for folks that you talk about field service, we'll utilize the OneDrive on 365 so that folks can have offline access to all of their data. I've got one client, I had to help them out with a few things earlier this week. They've got 13 gigs of data that they keep offline on a OneDrive directory because your guys go offsite and do so much work. And I mean, you know, I say go offsite. I mean, you know, they're 30 miles past the last cell phone tower. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so if people are listening and they want to like find you on LinkedIn, how do they do that? What's your website? Let's yeah. tell everybody how to get a hold of you. It just kind of surprises me to the level of how many small businesses really are, you know, dealing with these Mm -hmm. problems that they might actually think there's something wrong with them because they're just going like, there's got to be a better way. No, they're doing the best damn job they can do and they should be proud of the work that they're getting done. I mean, really are. They should be damn proud of the work they're getting done because they did the best they could with a minimal amount of resources. Mm. Well, we can take them that next step further without a whole lot of additional resources and saving them a lot more time on the back end. But no, definitely no one should feel bad for these, you know, <laughs> hodgepodge solutions. I mean, seriously, I look in, I get in some of these places and it dumbfounds me that they came up with some of the ideas that they had. And like, Oh, I'm sure they're in. That's actually kind of, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Not very efficient, but man, yeah. that, that's kind of neat idea. Like no. good job for getting it done. I agree. Uh, I agree completely. <laughs> yeah. Like, because the idea that they're able to figure out how to bandaid the solution oh, yeah. is, in, is a lot of ingeniousness in that. It is. It is. So Kyle, right now, if somebody's listening and they want to find you, I'd like them to be able to find you on LinkedIn. And I'd also mm-hmm. would like them to know what the website is for setting a, a time to talk to you. Yeah. So you can go to texasqa.com, spelled out texasqualityassurance.com. Either one works. Also, if you want to book an appointment directly with me, you can do that at book.texasqa.com. And I'll take you to your online booking app to get a time slot reserved. We're all over social media. Just Google Texas Quality Assurance. I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm the most active is on LinkedIn. And just search for me, Kyle Chambers. You'll see me show up there and holding my Coffee Matters mug. Um, <laughs> and which, you know, also complete with the pistol grip. Oh, so. yeah, that's even better. If you have a CHL, you can drink coffee out of that. Cup. <laughs> so you can find this all over. Just check it out. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you for being our guest here on the Oil and Gas Pitch Podcast. Thank you. I, uh, I'm really happy that you went through this. You know, the idea of quality and like the fact that, you know, sometimes the solutions that you need are almost the ones that you create for yourself, but it you is. need somebody to build it. You do. 
And that's yeah. who you, and that sounds like that's what you do. And so that's really great. If your company has a real solution to a real problem of today, come prove it here on the Oil and Gas Pitch Podcast. I'm your host, Warren Spiewak, and we'll see you on our next episode. Thank you again, Kyle. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Check us out next week for another witty and sometimes spicy episode of the Oil & Gas Pitch Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.